Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 284. You have to go out there and talk about yourself. And it's not like a, in a bragging kind of way, but just sell yourself. Let people know what you're doing, what kind of opportunities that they have by working with you. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his Seize the Road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at CarpeGear.com and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's CarpeGear.com, C-A-R-P-E-Gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ben Shu. Ben, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Well, yeah. If they are anything like the seatbelts in my 1986 Cressida, they will go automatically, so no buckling necessary. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. I hated those seatbelts. <laughs> They're so <laughs> frustrating, but we'll talk about that later. Ben Chu is co-founder and editor-in-chief of Japanese Nostalgic Car, the first North American publication dedicated to classic autos. Ben has single-handedly raised the notoriety and appreciation of cool Japanese cars through books, his website, and live events. Since its founding in 2006, Japanese Nostalgic Car has become the premier resource for not just the cars, but the culture surrounding these marks. The JNC brand also extends to apparel, accessories, and the JNC logo even appears on Hot Wheel cars produced by Mattel. That is cool. So Ben, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles? Sure, Mark. Well, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. It's an honor to be here. I have loved cars ever since I was a little kid. I don't even know how that started. I can't remember when it started, but I have pictures of me at my third birthday with a bunch of Hot Wheels cars <laughs> next to my cake, and I've just grown up loving them. When I was growing up, the posters on my wall were Ferraris and you know the typical stuff, Porsches, Corvettes. Uh, my dad was really into American cars. He had a uh, 72 Chevelle Malibu, wow, 65 Mustang, and a bunch of other stuff I can't even remember right now. But So I grew up loving cars, and we'll get to how I got into Japanese cars, I think, uh, later. But it's something that's been a passion of mine since day one. A lot of my guests, including me, we all share that same affliction, our Hot Wheels cars. I told a guest last week that I pulled out a my very first Hot Wheel car, which was a Matchbox by Lesney that my father bought me at a hardware store, a Red Jaguar XKE. Oh, so, very nice. <laughs> yeah. I still have the box for it, too. That shows you how crazy I am. 
But uh, I, I think it's great. So many of us, that passion begins when we're young. And we'll get into some questions here a little bit later about how that transition changed into Japanese cars. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success and perhaps has helped your career along the way. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Ben, take the wheel. I just have a couple of bits of advice, which I think may even seem a little bit uh, cliche. But the first is uh, just be open-minded. When I first uh, started talking about, oh, these old Japanese cars are cool. People just were like, are you crazy? (laughs) Um, You know, they, you know, people were saying to me stuff like Japanese cars will never be classics, you know, don't even waste your time with them and, you know, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, I, I kind of uh, obviously put that aside and, and uh, kept digging and, and here I am. The other thing is just, you know, to take risks contrary to uh, what many people think I'm actually not Japanese. I am Chinese by heritage and, you know, my parents were immigrants. They wanted me to be one of three things, either an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer. <laughs> Sounds so, familiar. <laughs> yeah. To them, you know, choosing between something like transportation design or writing, that would be what the kids today call a first world problem. Mm. I didn't even know these things could be careers. But without any guidance or, you know, really knowing anything about them, I kind of went off on my own and, and and did my thing. And yeah, I mean, it was, you know, a risk in many ways, but uh, I think I'm better for it now. Well, I think so too. And you think about your parents being immigrants, taking the risk to come to a completely new country and try to recreate their lives, start something new. I mean, that there's a big risk right there in and of itself. Absolutely. That spirit obviously lives on in you. And, you know, parents always to their core, want the best for their children, and they want their children to be happy and be successful. And nowadays, there are so many different ways to have careers, build careers. There's so many opportunities with, like what I'm doing here today. Who did, If you told me two years ago I'd be a podcaster, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it's fantastic, and that's a great part of having you here on Cars Yeah is, is having inspiring people that have figured out a way to wrap that passion for cars into their vocation, and you're a great example of that. You talked about uh, being a little child and your dad having cars. Is there a specific time or moment that instigated your passion for cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you can remember it, then you really realize, oh my gosh, I'm a car guy? Well, you know, I think my first Hot Wheels must have been the uh, the Smoking the Bandit Trans Am that they had. It was a black <laughs> with a big flaming chicken on the hood. Oh, yeah. I remember loving that very much. You know, my grandfather even bought me some toy plastic cars that, you know, weren't branded or anything. But, um, you know, I love those. The first thing I guess that really turned me onto Japanese cars was when I discovered the existence of the 2000 GT uh, by Toyota. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, one of the blue chip uh, classics that are really breaking new grounds today. But, you know, at the time, I had no idea what it was. I just remember seeing a picture of it and thinking that, it looked gorgeous, and I had n- had no information about it. I you know often say because you know I, I love Corvettes, and, and at the time, you know I couldn't I couldn't read everything that there had been published that that had been published about Corvettes. Yeah, I mean there was just so much information out there, and nobody had written much about the 2000 GT. I mean, you know this, uh, and yet at the time, you know this was in the late 80s. I think Toyota was already a household name. 
but uh, no one was really talking about the history of the company. So, you know, that really piqued my interest. Um, I'm kind of a history buff in that respect. And, you know, I always like to discover like the origins of whatever it is that I'm reading about. Do you think that was because the early beginnings of these motor companies out of Japan as they introduced cars into the United States wasn't that great? The quality wasn't that great. People looked at them kind of like, wow, those little tiny things. I'm not going to drive something that tiny and small. Gas prices weren't that expensive. Although we went through that one gas crisis period. It was more about you couldn't even get gas. It wasn't the price that was the issue. I'm wondering if that had something to do with it because I agree with you. That 2000 was a car that when I first saw one, what is that? Toyota makes that? How come they don't have it over here? And it's almost like they've kept all they kept all the cool cars in Japan and shipped us yeah. shipped us the junk or something. Well, I I should say that they did sell them in the US, but in very limited numbers. Um I think there were about like 50 or 60 something okay. uh, something like that. Okay. I can't remember the exact number, but there were a couple of things that, that kind of held it back. One was it being that no one knew the Toyota brand, right? So mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the car costs about as much money as a Porsche 911 or, or, you know, people would would just rather buy what they know, which is the Porsche, right? So, and I think with the uh, earlier cars, yes, they were, you know, small and, um, you know, they had this image of being disposable, but that very notion is why they are so collectible and sought after now is it's because people who maybe remember them fondly from before can't find them anymore mm-hmm. um whereas you know something like the 2000 gt or you know your typical um jaguars and ferraris and that sort of thing you know people knew that they had value so people preserved them and collected them but a lot of times when an old toyota or Datsun or whatever got too old to maintain people just junked them and so cars that sold by the tens of thousands are now really rare. Yeah. My mom had a Celica GT when I was just starting to learn to drive, and it was such a cool car to drive. And I look back at it now, a bulletproof engine, really fun. It was a manual car. And then I had a detailing business, and one of my clients bought the first 240Z that came out. And she let me drive that from her house back to my house. And it was like, wow, finally a kind of a cool Japanese car. This is really neat. Not super fast, but pretty cool looking. Yeah, yeah. Those are both great cars. Absolutely. So, Ben, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood, maybe get our hands a little dirty, and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that situation and what did you learn from it? So... When we first started Japanese Nostalgic Car, this was in late 2006, we had no idea what we were doing. We didn't know anything about the automotive industry, the advertising industry, or any of those things. We kind of just went in thinking like, hey, if we build a great product with great content, that companies would just come. And that was clearly not the case. So we learned that the hard way. And for us, especially me, I mean, I was always raised to think like, oh, hey, if you just put your nose to the grindstone, uh, you'll be rewarded for your hard work. But what I really learned was that you have to go out there and talk about yourself. And it's not like a in a bragging kind of way, but just sell yourself. Let people know what you're doing, what kind of opportunities that they have by working with you. And and What are some of the ways that you did that? You know, when it's an online business, 
Did you just call people? Did you go to events? Did you actually go knocking on doors? How do you get your face and your business out there in front of people like that? Yeah, so it's it's a lot of relationship building. You know, the first time we encountered a company that we wanted to work with or, you know, actually more specifically, we wanted them to advertise with us. We just came out and said, hey, you know, look, we have this content. We have this great site. Do you want to advertise with us? And the guy told me the way it usually works with uh, a publication like yours is that you have to give us some good ink before we'll think about advertising with you. Hmm. And as a kid who you know grew up treating car magazines as my Bible, I was rather shocked. But um, it turns out that, um, you know, of course, not all companies are like that, but there is a little uh, give and take sometimes. Sure. And, it's, and it's a lot of relationship building. I mean, you're not going to, you know, cold calling is hard. You know, you're going to have to go out there and talk to people, um, hit the ground with your feet and, and put yourself out there. Um, it's not all about just creating content and hoping that people will come to you. If you build it, they will come. Not so much. No, not really. <laughs> not <laughs> like really. Kevin Costner was wrong about that. Yeah, I think so. That's all Hollywood. Do you think with the new revelation of what's happening online that companies are looking at different mediums, different sources to promote their products has changed a bit? Because when you, you think about a website-only company or a podcast like I'm doing, and I have a few sponsors now, I'm always looking for new sponsors. And when people discover, oh, you're reaching a whole different audience through this medium, and they're very dedicated to what it is you're promoting. And if you do a podcast like I do, it's an evergreen product. So it, you know, it stays around all the time. Or if you have a website, people can keep going back, whereas maybe a magazine gets tossed aside, uh, doesn't get looked at as often. You found that some of these companies are looking at you differently now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we try to advertise with companies that are, you know, good fits for our readers. And these are companies that are making parts that support vintage Japanese cars, uh, companies that, you know, are very active in that community and really trying to do things that will support that community. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not there's not a lot of support yet because the idea of restoring old Japanese cars is still rather new in the U.S. The companies that we work with see that as a as a growing market. Sure. And this is a little off topic of that question, but are parts difficult to get for old Japanese cars? Are they readily available like with so many other cars? Not really. So there's no year one catalog for like an old Toyota or a Datsun. Mm -hmm. uh, there are companies making reproduction parts, but it's not like if you want to build a 69 Camaro, you can just pick and choose from a catalog and, and have it all shipped to your door. It takes a lot of skill with yeah craigslist ebay yeah <laughs> going to junkyards to pull the parts yourself there's a lot of that going on um you know it takes a long time to to complete a project sure well there's a business opportunity for some entrepreneur out there as yeah. this market grows let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum would you share a story with me about one of those aha moments you had in your career i like to say it's a time when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for that new idea or a new direction that you had for your business, perhaps. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. I guess, you know, going back to uh, what I was saying before, is just the idea that Japanese car could not be a classic was, you know, at one point very pervasive throughout the auto industry. And I realized that nobody was talking about 
these old Celicas and, and um, you know, well, the Z was always popular, but, you know, a lot of the other older Datsuns, like the Sunny, which we got as the 1200, mm-hmm. you know, like the old Mazda RX2, RX3s, you know, I'm speaking strictly in the US, of course. I mean, in, in Japan and in Australia, uh, the, some of those cars were really popular. But, you know, in the US, not many people were talking about them. And I saw that as a big void that needed to be filled. And so, you know, that's kind of what gave us the impetus to start Japanese Nostalgic Car. Cool. Very cool. Well, you know, I have a friend, uh, Joel, who's part of a Facebook group and of car guys that I hang out with online. And he was into hot rods and things like that. And all of a sudden, he threw us all a curve and sold his uh, street rod and bought a Z. And he's having a blast rebuilding it, restoring it, working on it. But he said the same thing, finding some parts has been a little bit more challenging than a catalog for a hot rod, even a custom hot rod, but there's so many parts available for it. So Yeah, absolutely. How about proudest moments? I'd assume you've had many over your career, your lifespan, but is there one in particular that really stands out for you? You mean aside from being on cars, yeah? (laughs) Oh, now you're just feeding my (laughs) ego, but I love it. I feel so good. (laughs) So, well, I don't know. I... You know, a couple of years ago, I published a book called All right. Classic Japanese Performance Cars. Um, I didn't choose that title. <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of a mouthful. But, um, you know, I I don't know. I, maybe that was more relief that it was finished. Than, oh, yes. Than, um, than actually, oh, I don't know. I uh, I guess more recently, we did the uh, Toge California, which was a vintage Japanese car driving tour that tried to replicate the driving experience of what it was like to drive these cars in Japan because in Japan the roads are you know Japan is 70% mountainous mm-hmm. and so the roads are like very twisty ribbons of asphalt that go up into the hills and into canyons and and so we put together a drive especially for classic Japanese cars and that was ton of work but um (laughs) i think uh, we pulled it off and i think a previous guest of yours myron vernon uh he actually shipped his mazda r130 luce out from ohio to participate on it and you know uh, to me that was just such a great accomplishment seeing those cars uh driving in their natural environment uh you know moving on the road as they were meant to do yeah and i guess maybe the most rewarding thing is just you know Meeting JNC fans and readers in the most unexpected places, you know. Sometimes I I'll just be walking down a street in, you know, some part of the country that I'm just you know visiting or whatever, and and you know people come up to me and and say that they they love JNC, and that that is probably the most rewarding experience with those random encounters that you're not expecting. Oh, absolutely. Or when somebody reaches out to you and say, hey, I found you online. I'm really enjoying what you're providing to me or you've opened up a whole new world to me like Japanese cars did for you. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory that you have with that vehicle. My first special car was a pink Buick Regal. It was a <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait American, a minute. Yeah. I'm talking to Ben Chu here. A pink Buick yeah. Regal. Oh my gosh. It was an unfortunate uh, circumstance that got me into that car, but it, basically it was a former Mary Kay car. Our I was going to say. Yeah. Neighbor uh, in El Paso, Texas. My parents, next to my parents' house had one of these. She was a Mary Kay saleswoman. I guess she sold 
you know, quite a lot of product yeah. and got that car. Got a pink car. And, uh, you know, my parents were like, you know, she, she wanted to sell it. So my parents were like, oh, it's cheap. It's a car. We're getting it. And that was my first hand-me-down car. Uh, and I got excoriated, like, brutally I was going to say, school. how did you even go to school? You must have parked three blocks to walk the rest yeah, of the way. Yeah, I mean, well, it was better than having no car. Yes. That's, you know, that's all I can say. You know, yeah. Uh, even the worst cars <laughs> is better than having no car. Of course. Uh, but I guess the first special car that I bought of my own volition is a A86 Corolla, which, um, to the uninitiated, is... It's the last rear-wheel drive Corolla. It came out in 1984 in Japan, 85 in the U.S. It's twin-cam fuel injection at the time when the front-wheel drive Corolla, which was also available at the same time, they overlapped, only had a carbureted engine. You know, it was rear-wheel drive, great little fun performance car. And uh, it was the car that really uh, made drifting popular, the sport of drifting. Okay. At the time when I bought it, this was you know a little less than ten years ago. Drifting was getting really popular in the U.S., and you know a lot of people who had seen the videos from Japan or I don't know if you're familiar with Initial D. No, tell me okay, about so that. Initial D is a Japanese cartoon. At, actually, it was a comic book first that got made into a cartoon that starred the AE86 Corolla. Okay, and. That was the hero car. It was kind of an underdog car uh, racing like GTRs and Lancer Evolutions and that sort of thing. But it became really beloved. I mean, for a certain generation, it is like Kit from Knight Rider or the General Lee from the Dukes of Hazzard. Okay. So that car, that well, actually that cartoon came to the U.S. And it was right around the time that, you know, drifting was really taking off as well. So people flocked to that car and you know where they were like oh well we're going to try to drift in it i mean and that's what the cartoon was all about that was what the d in initial d stand for stood for you know they were very cheap at the time buying them gutting them slamming them into walls you know (laughs) well this was this is a pretty uh significant car that you know historically significant that probably there will not be a, a lot of them in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I so I bought one with the idea that like, you know, I'm going to try to preserve it as, as best as possible. Yeah. And, cool. and that's what I did. Very fun. Very fun. Well, my Japanese cartoon with cars goes back to Speed Racer and the, uh, the X. So, you know, <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> right, a little right. bit before that, I think. Is there a vehicle that you've purchased in your life and you really wish you could have it back in your garage? Um. Geez, uh, how about if I tell you about a car that I regret not buying? <laughs> yeah, that's another good one too. Because there there are so many. I mean, yeah. nowadays you see cars like the 2000 GT going for $1.2 million. Oh, I know. Cars like the uh, the Hakosuka Skyline GTR going for a quarter million. I mean, when we started JNC, uh, those cars were worth, let's say, the Toyota 2000 GT was probably worth about 250000 Mm-hmm. You know, before I started JNC and I was really into those cars, I I came across one for sale for about one hundred and fifty thousand, and the guy thought the price was a little high. Mm. You know, those are the cars I really regret not buying, especially because I knew that one day they were going to be worth a lot. I and I just didn't, you know, jump on the. Well, even at even at one hundred and fifty, if you look back, that was a lot of money. (laughs) 
That is true. That is true. I, I couldn't have afforded it no matter what, but maybe I could have lived in it for 10 years <laughs> or something. I don't know. I think we all have those vehicles. Mine is a uh, 58 Porsche Carrera Speedster. Yeah, I said Carrera that a neighbor had that would wanted to sell it to me when I was 15 for 3200 bucks, And wow. my parents said, you're crazy. <laughs> Where are you going to come up with that kind of money? You know, <laughs> So yeah, away it went. But uh, yep, we all have those in our lives. Is there a current project that you're working on right now with the website, your business that really has you excited and fired up? So I, I just everything that I'm doing right now is really exciting to me. I mean, I, it's such an exciting time to be involved in classic Japanese cars. You know, to be honest, the first couple of years, it was a slog because, you know, we were just trying to get traction. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last few years, especially, momentum has snowballed with the classic Japanese cars. So now there's a lot of interest uh, from everybody, not just kind of people who were in the know before. Mm-hmm. And gosh, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you. I mean, like the, the Toge California drive that we put together with, uh, you know, my partner in crime, Patrick Strong of Carriage House Models. We also did, um, oh, we just finished the, the, third annual Nissan Jam, which was an all Nissan Infinity Datsun car show in West Covina. Cool. And that, I mean, was another great uh, event celebrating old Japanese cars. I mean, obviously there were newer cars there represented as well, but there were also, I mean, there was just the gamut. I mean, there was everything from a uh, Datsun 312, which was the first Bluebird Oh uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Came out, the, you know, the three ten came out in like 1959, I think, and uh, the three twelve was just you know a, a facelifted version of that. And then to the newest GTR, and when you see the span of cars um, in that gamut, I mean, it's it's just mind blowing. It's massive. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, and you talk you could talk for a long time about the new GTR. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What a car. Very cool. Now here's a very introspective question for you, Ben. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? <laughs> <laughs> so, geez, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to say maybe the AE86. It's very unassuming. When people see it, they're just like, oh, it's just another Corolla. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's it's kind of... Okay, it was old when it was born. I mean, I can, you know... It, <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It was real drive when... Everyone was trying to do front wheel drive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of an old soul. I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm into these old cars. I'm into old music. And the new stuff doesn't just doesn't really uh, turn me on when it comes to, I mean, almost anything, film, music, whatever. Yeah. So I feel like I'm kind of an old soul as well. And the A86 kind of trundled on for many years under the radar. And then it got a new lease on life. And I feel that, you know, my interest in old cars that no one really cared about has given me like a second <laughs> second life as well. So you're back. You're back. Yeah. 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 Okay. I can see that. That's why I asked yeah. that question. It brings out some interesting answers. So Ben, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. No more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries 
on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. Includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlets so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool. It's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at Genius Charger Okay, Ben, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Point your side mirrors the right way. If you can see your door handles, they're not pointed the right way. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's a good one. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? I guess, you know, just kind of looking at the grand scheme of things, look at the big picture. I mean, it's so easy to get uh, stuck in kind of the day-to-day tasks and, you know, your own worries from, you know, whether it's family, just random things in life and or, uh, you know, or your business. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, taking a step back and thinking about, you know, what is the big picture? What do I want even 20 years down the line? 30 years down the line. I mean, that that will help put everything in perspective. Yeah, I had a, a friend tell me once, sometimes you've got to stop rowing, climb up to the crow's nest, and look to the horizon. And I yes. thought that was a great way to put it. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners you think they would really enjoy? I would say that if your town has a Japanese bookstore, go check it out. You know, if you're like me, you won't be able to read any of the text in the magazines there, but, you know, they'll have an automotive section just go and flip through magazines like uh, Nostalgic Hero, Old Timer. So you can just kind of see the the sheer uh, vastness of classic Japanese car culture. It, it, it is amazing. Yes. Just, you, know, you, can t- you can see it just from the pictures. Yeah, Old Timer, uh, Car Graphic, a uh, couple publications from Japan. I haven't seen it in a while. I used to get them, but uh, you're right. Uh, boy, the car culture in Japan is huge. <laughs> it's like yeah. it is everywhere in the world. Is there a book that you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? So I one I really enjoyed recently, and I don't get to read a lot of books because I'm so busy running JNC, but the one I, I really liked recently was The Stainless Steel Carrot, oh. and it's by Sylvia Wilkinson. It's about the career of John Morton and starting with the days of him sweeping the floors in Carroll Shelby's garage to, you know, becoming a world-renowned race car driver. Oh, awesome. Well, that's a new book here. And I remind our listeners, you can go to our guest recommended books tab at the Cars website and uh, this book and all the others that our guests recommend will be listed there. That's a great book. Yeah. So actually it's, it's a reprint. Um, it was originally issued, um, many years ago. I can't remember the date, uh, but there's a reprint with more photos and, um, and, uh, all the profits for this book actually are go to animal welfare. So it's for a good cause as well. A, a lot of, uh, car books are written in, in, um, a very matter of fact fashion, but, mm-hmm. Sylvia was a author, you know, that wrote like Southern novels and, and, um, a lot of cool other, you know, just, you know, novels. So, so so it's a, it tells a story. Wonderful. Great. We'll make sure that's added to the collection. So Ben, we're up to the checkered flag and this last question can be a real doozy. 
If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost, I'll buy you whatever you'd like today. What would that one vehicle be and why? For me, it would have to be the 2000 GT, partially because I, I just feel like I missed out <laughs> on, uh, you know, a, a massive ship that sailed. But, but uh, you know, I it was the first classic Japanese car that really turned me on to the entire um, GNC pantheon. And, and I really you know, think that it was one of the more standout designs of its time. And I'm not just speaking about Japanese cars, but cars in general. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people liken it to a Jaguar E-Type or uh, a Corvette or something. But if you really look at the lines, I mean, it is really unique. I mean, the the way the the uh, car- the lines that go over the the fenders on the front they continue all the way back and form the the edge of the deck lid you know every curve is compound there are a lot of great details in it beautiful car i was down at the la jolla concour past spring and there was one on the lawn there i believe it was white if i remember right mm-hmm. a lot of people standing there scratching their head going what is this what when did toyota make this i've never seen this car before Yeah, exactly. Yeah, wonderful car. Great choice. Well, Ben, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that 2000 GT? Sure, Mark. I would like to say, even though it may sound cliche, is, you know, just do what you love. Even when there's struggles that come with the day-to-day aspects of running a business, uh, that passion will fuel you and you know make those struggles seem like they're nothing. You, if you do what you love, you'll never feel like you're working a day in your life. You know, it's a great saying that I think was originally coined by Henry Ford. Find that passion in your life. Figure out a way to create a career around it. Ben has done it. Many, pretty much every guest I've had here on Cars yeah, have done it, and it's possible, and you can do it too. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your business? Well, the address is JapaneseNostalgicCar.com. It's on the web. It's easy to access. And there's a lot of cool stuff in there. So come check it out. Absolutely, guests. uh, Check it out. I've been there. It's a great site. It's great fun. And, you know, even if you don't have a passion for Japanese cars, I think you'll start to get one if you go there and check out what Ben is doing because you'll start to expose yourself to some cool things that maybe you didn't even know about. So check Ben's website out. Listeners, you can find links to everything Ben has shared with us today at carsyad.com slash Ben Shu. Ben's last name is spelled H-S-U. Ben, thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, Mark. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.